gentlemen, welcome aboard. It's always a pleasure to see you. To see you is always a pleasure. Good morning, good afternoon. As you can see, there's all our channels up there. And Tony Gianelli, one of our beloved Patreons, a ciao. It's a pleasure to see you. So, uh, yes, now we have my good friend uh, who asked us some questions first. Hello. Good to see you as always. We're going to have some Arabic coffee together. Now let's do some housework. Patreon.com forward slash Gabsmack Boss Briggs. And one of our Patreons is Samira Wild, big hearted Anna. Lovely to see you. She's going through a lot of stuff as well. So, hey, Captain Ginger, Fuzzy Pandeas, all of our friends and family are back. Now, she has a book, so you can follow Samira Wild. And any other one, any other people who would like to shout out, you can become a Patreon member, and you can get all the shout outs you like. So uh, let's firstly uh, another another part of housework is that I sent a message to some people on Twitter, and uh, for some reason it wouldn't let me send a message to everyone who follows me. So uh, only like eight or seven people actually got the message, and it actually created a group. And so I left the group. I'm not part of this group. I didn't mean for there to be a group. I just wanted to send a message to the people and Twitter has made it into a group. So, hey, hello, Yogananda. Good to see you, Javier, Boss Briggs. Everyone's back. All right. So let's get into what we were talking about. So it turns out that Javier was actually talking about, we had a, hey, hey, we had a decent discussion on iRational. So iRational is where I talk about in much greater detail, some sort of technical issues which are not going on to the adversity. Christoph, pleasure to see you. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, in, yeah oh, look, Alawites are very prominent in Lebanon uh, and Syria. There's about 1.5 million in Syria and they're about 2% of the Australian Lebanese population. And they're in my book, actually. One of the first girls that I actually liked me uh, when I came back from Lebanon. So when I was 18, there's a story in the book about when I was 18, I was still walking like this and I just kept wearing daggy stuff like this. When I went to Lebanon, I, that's when they taught me how to be, walk smoothly and say, how are you sort of to girls and stuff like that and to brush my hair. And so different ladies at extreme ways. Yeah. So when I came back to Australia, I worked in a restaurant. I got made fun of. I was called Mr. Bean by one table. And this is all in the book. So they moved me to another table. And one of the most beautiful women I'd ever seen in my life up to this point was so interested in me. Uh, it depends what you mean by extreme. That, that's more of an, uh, that depends on one's esoteric uh, viewpoint, which we'll get to in a second. Anyway, so the Alawites genetically are about half uh, Central Asian and half Semitic. And so this girl had this like this olive, dark olive brown skin exaltation of Ali. We'll talk about that too, because it's actually similar to what I was saying before about the Trinity. Uh, it's called the triad, um, but we'll get into it. Christians know about this. Uh, anyway, uh, and uh, and she had these like, you know, you know, a mix of Asian and Semitic eyes and thick, thick, thick black hair. Oh my God, she was just unbelievable. And she was talking to me. I couldn't understand this when I was 19, because girls never spoke to me before that, unless they were wanting to make fun of me. So I didn't actually believe that she wanted to talk to me. Uh, and, uh, and then when she, she came up to me later and said I was really good looking, um, I didn't know what to do. So I walked off and I'm like, oh my God, I could have been married and divorced by now. Um, alrighty. So let's move on to the next topic. Uh, the Alawiyin, the Alawites. Now the, I didn't actually realize you were talking about the Alawites. Um, uh, but now that I know that I'm like, oh, that's easy. I've, gr I've grown up with Alawites my whole life. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, it was great. Thank you very much for sending that to me, Javier. Uh, you've, <laughs> you've done a lot of research, which is pretty cool. So uh, it, 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 only, it, it only brought back stuff I already knew because I didn't realize you were talking about the Alawiyin. And I'm thinking, which Shia says that? Because the, the Shia in general denounced the Alawiyin, but it depends on where we are. So in Lebanon, the Shia and the Alawiyin work a lot together. And they work a lot with a lot of Christians. And the Alawiyin, they, they reject the hijab. Um, they reject uh, uh, the, not the abstaining of alcohol. So they believe in having alcohol. And they believe in having something called Quddes. Now, Quddes is the Arabic, the Christian Arabic word for mass. So they actually have a mass and they have something called similar to transubstantiation, where they have the body and blood of either Jesus or Ali, I'm not sure which one, but it's, it's, it's heavily Christian based, uh, their doctrine and not, not Christian in the theology, but Christian in practice. And so it's very interesting as to the origin of these people. Yes. Now, just to confirm what I said a couple of scopes ago, their view is not that Ali is an extra God. Yes. Syncretic. Yes. Well, this is the interesting thing. Every religion has this syncretic, um, uh, introduction into it. And for those who haven't heard that word before, basically every religion has tends to bring in its, its adherents tend to bring in something from a previous religion that their you know, ancestors had. So for example, the Maronites have a lot of statues of San Sharbil and, you know, their ancestors used to have statues of Ishtar, uh, and, uh, and Baal. Uh, and so that's quite similar. You have, for example, uh, you know, Christians bring in um, uh, Christmas, which used to be a pagan festival of lights with the with the you know the summer and the winter solstice. That's where Easter and Christmas were. So Christmas needs to now overlay that. Or if you look at the uh, the Hagia Sophia in um, in Turkey, uh, the that's a, now a mosque. It's one of the most famous mosques in the world. They do celebrate Christmas. They celebrate Christmas. They venerate Simon Peter, who is the first pope of the um, of the Christians first leader of the Christians. Uh, they venerate John the Baptist. Um, they believe in reincarnation. And they believe, interestingly, that they used to be, similar to the story of the Christians, they used to be stars. And they were sent to the earth because they were disobedient. And their goal, similar to some Eastern faiths, is to, through reincarnation, ultimately get back into the heavens. Now, Christianity is for the sinners. So if you live a bad life, then you get demoted in your next life to becoming a Christian in their viewpoint. Same with Hindus, actually. And if you're an infidel, then you get demoted to being an animal. So there's, there's different levels of, of reincarnation. Excuse me. Now, in terms of their veneration of Ali, they believe in, in, in a variant of the Trinity. Now, this is where I think that some, some descriptions of the Nusayra. Now, Nusayra is the original name for Alawiyin. Uh, and it's because of the guy in the ninth century, I think it was, who came up with it called, um, I forget his first name, but it was Ibn Nusayr was his name. I wonder how Alawites deal with these passages. Well, this is based upon a difference between exo and esoteric understandings of religion. And we're going to get into that as well. Excuse me while I eat this. Mm. Mm. Very good. All right. So remind me about that. We're going to talk about exo and esoteric understandings of religion. So uh, let's just jump back to where we were saying. So their their ver variant is that um, is that Allah has different manifestations, but it's still God. So He has the meaning, the gate, and the name. 
and now I might be wrong on that, but it's sort of equivalent to the Christian Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where, you know, they don't believe that they're separate entities or separate gods. They believe it's the same God, but in a higher dimension, and it, and it can manifest in certain ways. So on earth, it manifested in the version of Ali, and uh, Ben Seba, from what I've read, he was a Jew who pronounced Islamic. Okay, yeah. Interesting stuff. All right. So, so therefore, they're not actually saying that God has an equal. They're saying that God is Ali and Ali is God. It's the one and the same thing. And this is a Trinitarian doctrine. So Trinitarian doctrines are not limited to most versions of Christianity. And in fact, my hypothesis has been for a long time that the, um, the non-Trinitarian Christians who were kicked out of Europe and went into the Middle East were actually the ancestors of, of Islam, or of, of, the, uh, of what you'd call more of the mainstream Islam. I would say that Muhammad was originally Jesus because Muhammad means one upon whom is, is blessed. Uh, 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 no, one upon one, one upon whom is praise. Sorry, so so Jesus was the praised one, and so the name became Muhammad. But over the years, by the time we reached the ninth century, it turned into an actual individual called Muhammad. Um, but uh, that's obviously not provable. It's just much more. It's an interesting hypothesis I've heard many different times, um, which is quite interesting. Um, and also to talk about bringing in stuff from another religion. The Quran actually does that as well. It brings in a lot of stuff from the Gnostic Gospels, uh, such as the Gospel of Thomas, the Anointed One, Messiah. Yeah, so Messiah, uh, yeah, Greek is Christos for Anointed One, and in Aramaic and Hebrew, and even before those two languages existed, Al-Masih means uh, the Anointed One, correct. But in Arabic, it was the one upon whom is praise, Muhammad, and that's based upon a quote in Isaiah that said that the person who will come, the, uh, uh, the Messiah, will be called the praised one. And so a lot of Muslims use that to argue that he was actually prophesizing the coming of Muhammad. And I say, yes, you can say that, but Muhammad was Jesus, as per the understanding of the Middle Eastern Christians from about 330 AD until about, well, somewhere between 634 and 900, depending upon which text you want to believe in. So what I've just described there is something called an esoteric version of religion. Have authentic stories with the synoptic gospels lack. That's true. Now what you're describing is, is an esoteric form of religion. And this is where a lot of people who assume that religion, and atheists do this too, they assume that religion is purely exoteric, which means it can only be understood via observing the material. However, the esoteric form, which a lot of religious people actually adopt without realizing what esotericism is, they believe that you have to have an internal spiritual transformation to understand what's being written. And many people do that all the time. They say, I'm a Christian, but I believe that the, 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 you know, Jesus' raising from the dead was metaphorical. Well, that's an esoteric description because the actual Bible doesn't say that. It says he was physically raised and... I think I think in Acts of the Apostles it says he you know he flew up into the atmosphere uh, in the in the first chapter. She's fine. I already asked her. She's fine. Jesus Christ. He's... He was there for the last two minutes. You are talking too loud. You are talking too loud. You are talking too loud. <laughs> this man just go away. 
in Acts 1, there you go. Yeah. Which obviously is also ridiculous because where, where, where did he go into space and then, you know, the oxygen inside Jesus exploded because there was, it's a vacuum up there and then he just showered down. I mean, it's just, anyway, so clearly the literal version makes no sense. So therefore you have to, as a modern Christian, say, you know, no, 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 it's our understanding is incorrect. So in other words, it's how we perceive the, the, the text itself. Uh, and that's, that is the power of belief. Hey, Osgar Nesli, lovely to see you. And so for that reason, it's very easy for someone who is an Alawi to justify that their belief is the correct one because they're perceiving it in the correct way. And so there's no argument you can bring up against the Alawiya using the Quranic text because what they will say is that you're misunderstanding the text. You're not looking deeply enough into it. And this to me is the huge into the explanation of how it could have been explained by a revelation. Yeah, that's fine. And that's what you have every right, every right. Um, and I respect, you know, the fact that you admit that it's a belief. Um, so uh, what were we saying here? Uh, in the end of day, who cares who people are trying to stay, how people are trying to stay in life? Well, some people do. Some people do care. Um, and so I'm here to answer those people. <laughs> the rest of you, enjoy it. Seems uh, presumptuous. Uh, Yes, uh, so, um, yeah, Javier cares. So, uh, where are we here? Um, now, here's my question. If a book, and this has happened every time, by the way. This happened with Hinduism, Hinduism when it evolved into Buddhism. This happened to Judaism, when it evolved into all of the different Jewish sects, which now no longer exist. So, the Essenes, the Samaritans. We have some derivatives of Jews, um, the, Man the Mandeans, who are now in Persia who are Persian Christians, who have their own version of beliefs, the Chaldean, all of these esoteric versions of Christianity, not including the classical ones, such as the Orthodox, the, the various Catholics, the Anglicans and the Protestants, ignoring all of that, each book manifests like this. So if I wrote a book of the Gab, are being taken away by Christians. Well, at the moment by Christians, in the future it might be another religion, but I agree with you uh, that uh, there's a problem there. So here is my argument on this point here. If I wrote a book of the Gab, let's say, right, based upon what's happened with every other book of Revelation, that book will end up having followers who will then split over, over three or four or five generations. Because this has happened with every single book. I'm not God, as we have noticed, and yet I'm smart enough to realize that that is what would happen if I wrote a book of instruction. So if I'm just a humble, stupid, 30-something-year-old human who can see that, why would God not see that? Why would God not see that by giving people a book, it was going to create esoteric variation that would result in people... <laughs> esoteric variation, which would result in many different sects of a religion, each killing each other because they all think the other ones are wrong. Why would God do that? It, to me, it makes more sense that humans created those books, or maybe it was the devil deliberately pretending to be God in order to create violence um, and tribalism, you know, so that he could sit back and laugh. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Uh, so, so this is my issue with the books themselves. I would say the message, the, the, the manner with which the message is delivered is inherently dangerous because of the fact that it creates esoteric variations. 
yeah, Matthew didn't mention, you're right. I don't think Matthew did, not. I don't think Mark did either. Mark even didn't mention the, um, now they all mention the resurrection, but, but um, they're very ambiguous in terms of their endings. Like there's two versions of the ending of Mark. One says that they, people saw him. One's, one says that he just rose and it doesn't talk much about it. Um, Matthew, well, you know, we know what's interesting. Matthew was written in Aramaic. The rest were written in Greek. And yet Matthew is the one that misses the details, probably because the details didn't exist um, until the story spread called Chinese Whispers. So um, now to, to come back to your next point, you were saying here, this is a very problematic statement about pe people being ignorant about their faith. Halachi Mansur or Anal Haq or Kul Nasimi. Yeah, I know he's he's got more questions coming. Uh, this is a gospel according to John's ledger written by John, an illiterate man. Um, now John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, was blind, and I I, don't, I think he had someone who wrote it for him. But yeah, I don't I don't know. It doesn't really. Um, what have we got? Kul Nesman, Kul Nesim. It sounds like a Turkish person. Uh, Ottoman. Ah, oh, he was an Alevi. Uh oh, noise. Very noisy. So Alevi, they're not to be confused with the Alawites. A lot of people confuse the two. I'm not saying you are. He was, uh, he was an Ottoman who lived in the 17th century in Anatolia. Um, I don't know much about him at the moment, so let's actually find out. Um, okay, poetry. Um, okay, uh, now uh, let's have a look here. It's written in Turkish. It doesn't say much about him. I don't know enough about him. I'd have to read up on that. Send me some links for saying I am God. Yeah, I can imagine that happening. Have a Trinitarian type belief system as well, incredibly heretical. They're also Bhaktashi. But you're assuming that Trinitarianism is heretical. Um, now, that's making an assumption that the Trinity are three separate deities. That's not what the Trinity is, according to those who believe in the Trinity. So if you look at the Nicene Creed, the Nicene Creed is we believe in one God, creator of heaven and earth, all that is seen as unseen. And then it talks about uh, the manifestations of the God, which is you know, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, the, the, the giver of life or whatever. But, but they're described as if they're one God. There was an argument about it in the Council of Nicaea in about 332 AD. And the bishops that lost, the Arian bishops, were, were kicked out, actually. They became the heretics. And the irony is, by calling someone a heretic, they go to the Middle East, create their own religion. And then that religion called Islam is now coming back and taking over Europe. So... 325, there you go. So uh, it backfired, Christians, but it takes um, it takes 1,500 years to backfire. So a lot of things that we do, the cause and effect exist outside of our own lifetimes. So it, it's the same with politics. When we when we destroy, you know, when, when Republicans, for example, were being mistreated, um, you know, uh, by, by all of them being called racists, uh, it was inevitable that it was one person was going to rise, Trump, who didn't give a shit about it and walk all over them since they were fighting over the nature of Jesus Christ. Correct. And as you can see, already, even through revealed text, people are fighting over the nature of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of reasons for that. It's very, There's a lot of reasons for that, which I won't get into because some people are, are going to be saying, look at Christos Hards, man, it's going crazy. Um, they're going to say stuff like, how can Jesus only be the son and not part of God? Because it was Jesus that was redeeming our sins through his death. But if he wasn't part of God, how could he redeem our sins? 
And then other people would say, well, that's because God was able to do it after Jesus dying. And then they'd say, well, if God could do it, he wouldn't need to send his son. He could have done it himself. So therefore, Jesus is part of God. And that's where the Trinity started to come through. Um, and uh, we had issues with Arianism more in Western Europe than in Eastern Europe. So in Western Europe, after the decline of the Roman Empire, um, Arianism was the dominant form of Christianity. And Arianism did not believe that Jesus was part of the Trinity. They believed that Jesus was the son of God. And so he was created by God, not existing indefinitely as God did. Um, so noisy. All right, let's keep going back. Uh, but you can see already uh, that human nature can't be separated from the divine nature. Yeah. So, so you can see already that people are talking out of their ass based upon logic, but they're using logic, yeah, separated from his human nature at the crucifixion. So, so what you can see is that, you know, already people are using logic, that's Honest Joe, <laughs> yeah, and Obm's showing the plumber. Um, you can already see that people are trying to logically square the illogical. And I know it's easy for you to see that because you're not a believer in Christianity, but you're a believer in Islam, so you don't see Islam making the same mistakes. Um, but that's because what one's belief does, as far as I can see from the outside to speak objectively, is that a belief causes someone to see the world in a certain way, which means that in their world, which I call a mathematical Lorentz transformation, for example, and I'll talk about that in a sec, it causes them to view the world in such a way that their ideology makes sense and everyone else's doesn't. And this happens with any ideology that I've seen. So any revealed truth, such as radical leftism, you know, right-wing ethnostatism, um, don't forget to go to my YouTube and like and subscribe 14, from 14 years. Oh, very cool. Uh, so uh, uh, I, I don't even have to, for example, be convinced to even look at a doctrine to see how every single different doctrine results in the same problem. So the Baha'i in Iran had the same problem where they believed similar things you know, in terms of the reincarnation. But then they thought that uh, the guy whose name was, I forget his name, something Baha'i or... I forget his name. Um, you, uh, A. Brock, uh, he was murdered by the Shia because the Shia accept that Muhammad was the final revelation. Whereas, yeah, you can tell he was a, a Christian, number one, because of his knowledge, and number two, because of his last name, which means he's, it's very likely that, you know, his father was a Catholic and he's, um, and even, you know, at the time, which meant that his mother must have been somehow related to Catholicism. Um, or, or Christianity and, uh, you know, I, I believe religion has led to truth, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, so, uh, no, the Baha'i had a cyclical nature the sim similar to the Alawites, where, you know, uh, Jesus and was one manifestation of God on earth, but he was coming back and he came back as Muhammad and he also came back as as, as Baha'i, Catholic, yeah, I thought so. Because he's from Ecuador, so Ecuador is, has a huge Catholic population. There's a movie called Romero. I, re I recommend everyone have a, have a look at the movie called Romero. It's free on YouTube. It's a true story of what they did to Christians in Romero, uh, sorry, in, uh, in Ecuador, because Ecuador had a government which wanted to censor certain Christian beliefs. And so there were Christians who had their tongues cut out, their heads blown off, uh, raped. It's a pretty violent movie. And in the end, this priest who led this resistance, um, he was he was assassinated whilst giving the Eucharist in church. And it was um, the star of the movie was the guy who was playing Bison in Street Fighter against Van Damme. 
I forget his name. I think he's passed away now, but it was a it was an amazing movie. So, how do I know this? I watched Romero when I was about fourteen, I think. So interesting stuff. Now, um, what uh, what Javier also says here, he says that um, it does not outline at what level ignorance about the faith becomes the ignorance in which I am talking about, because uh, Bison from Street Fighter, yeah, um, in the war between Jews and Christians when the two faiths were separating, yeah, bingo. Uh, it wasn't really a war, it was more of an annihilation of Jews, which never stopped, actually, which is one of the reasons that Zionism started to rise in the 15th century in Europe, which is, as you can see, all of these things are connected, and I see them all in my head, and it pisses me off that most humans aren't, haven't had this explained to them. Because if you can see the causal connections across a thousand years, you can see what decisions you make today, which will result in problems for our descendants. And we are inheriting problems from our ancestors, that didn't know what they were doing. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, for example, you know, I always bring up examples, but when the Lebanese government, um, because, the, because, you know, France made Lebanon for, in general, for the Christians and, and for other minorities, because they knew that they would be anti, you know, uh, Arab and so be pro-French, and that backfired too. But, but, you know, they mistreated their Muslim minorities in Lebanon. And so, we are now suffering the consequences in the civil war. We suffered them in the civil war 20 years ago. Heretical at the Council of Nicaea, it was. It was declared heretical. But then here's an interesting thing about the Council of Nicaea. They were killed or they were asked to be exiled. If they didn't exile, they were killed. So they were, and exiling was a very common thing back then. So I don't want to judge it on today's standards, even though, yes, it's disgusting. Um, just coming back to what we were saying, uh, for example, um, because Arianism was a problem in Western Europe, um, Western Europe was Latin-based languages, right? Eastern Europe had uh, Greek-based languages. So the, the Council of Nicaea was translated into Latin and into Greek. Now, that might seem like nothing to everybody, but guess what happened? Have a guess what happened. When it was translated into Latin, they added an injunction called filio quae, and I've said this before. So Christoph heard this and a couple of people heard this. Now, what that is, is that filioque means of the father and the son. Filioque is and the son <clears throat> in Latin. And that's not in the orthodox doctrine. Now, the reason that the Latin version has that is because they wanted to be very clear that the spirit was begotten from the father and the son because they wanted to make sure that there were no Arians hidden within the now Catholic Church because the Arians did not believe, you know this, that's right, the Arians did not believe that Jesus was equal to God. So they had to add that in. But, but, by adding that in, it caused them to be seen as heretical by the Orthodox. Correct. And this argument got worse and worse and worse for how long? For 700 years. 700 years they had this argument until 1054 when they both mutually excommunicated each other, which resulted in the worst massacres in Christian history up to that point, or in human bloody history, that 80,000 Catholics were murdered by Orthodox and 80,000 Orthodox were murdered by Catholics during the separation between the West and the East because Greek had a shitload of Latins. Greece, modern Greece had a lot of Latin people in there. And then, do you know when they reconciled? More harm than good. I would say, that's a hard one to say. Um, according to Yuval Harari, who's probably more anti-religion then way more anti-religion than I am. I'm sympathetic to religion in, in many cases. He says on balance in the past, it did more good than bad for evolutionary reasons. But in today's society, I would say from the future onwards, um, 
I don't think that will be the case here. Yeah. Uh, so have a guess. That massacre happened, and there were many, many massacres, Buddhist subjective here, yeah, that happened between the Catholics and the Orthodox, which resulted in a weakness which allowed the Ottoman Empire to take over the Byzantine Empire many, many years later. So this is what I mean about how everything is connected. And we are so dumb as humans because we just live in a period of 50 to 100 years if we're lucky. But these things, these cause and effect happened over a thousand years. And it makes me very sad because I read this stuff. I've been reading this on my own since I was a child, as you know. So I, before I started hanging out with human beings, I thought everyone knew this stuff. And it caused a lot of problems when they didn't because I would not be confused. I would be confused as to how people didn't know that. And with autism and not understanding how to interact with people, they humans would think I was being rude or obnoxious or an asshole or, or causing calling them stupid, which I wasn't. I just couldn't understand how other humans didn't know these things. So um, anyway, so as I said, guess when they reconciled? I want to know when did the Catholic and Orthodox Church reconcile? After these massacres that began in 1054, roughly, when did they reconcile? Would anyone like to guess when they reconciled? I'm waiting for your answer. <laughs> Have a guess. Let's see. And this will help answer another thing that some people might not know. Last year. <laughs> That's funny. They reconciled. They re Good guesses. They reconciled. Um, when did the Catholic and Orthodox reconcile? In other words, not reconcile their fates, but apologize to be obsessive over knowledge. <laughs> you don't want to be autistic, man. If you read my book, the amount of shit I went through. Um, all right. They reconciled in 1964. 1964. Half of the people on this scope were alive in 1964. My grandfather, hey, speed up, brother, Katalavez. Uh, what is it? Um, no, no. So 1964, like, my dad and mum were born before 1964. My grandfather was born in 1920 or 30 or something, right? Yeah, exactly. So the First and the Second World War, right? Those who were Orthodox were absolutely hating the Catholics. And the Catholics were also against the Orthodox. So, so even till today, man, when I, um, you know... You, it's most, like not most, but it's very, very common. It's very, very common that the, that the, um, that Orthodox are really, really anti-Catholic um, uh, in many churches that I, that I go to. Not by the teachers, but by more of the people. Correct. Father and son. Correct. All right. So let's move on to your... Next question. That's why I say revealed truth is actually a lie. Revealed truth by definition is a lie because truth involves the delivery of the truth. So it's like saying, hey, do you want coffee? And then I throw it in your face. Well, it doesn't matter. You didn't get the coffee, did you? And it's the same with delivering the truth in a text. A text can be interpreted in so many different ways that you will inevitably have what you call an esoteric variation. Which is someone will say, oh, no, 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 my belief is the, the correct one. Christians can hold a mad grudge. Ironic, isn't it? Talking about love one another and forgiveness. But they, they did not consider the other people Christian. They considered them to be heretics. Does anyone see the trend here? <laughs> <Ala faka. laughs> oh, you mean alafacha? That's funny. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, they do. They do. And so you see that with, with Islam, it's the same thing. You see that the Sunnah and the Shia are at war. And in Lebanon, they shoot at each other all the time. The Alawiyah live in the mountains just above Tripoli. Tripoli, during the civil war, was taken over by the Sunni extremist Muslim faction. And they kicked out all of the Christians, as many as they could, and converted a lot of the churches to mosques during the civil war. And after that point, most Christians left. But the Alawites would constantly, up until today, 20 years later, shoot down onto the, onto the um, Tripoli uh, Sunni Muslims who would shoot back. And the army in Lebanon is trying to stop this shit from going on. So, and, and we, in, outside of, of that world, think it's all Islam, which is stupid. It's not all Islam, just like, you know, as, as I've shown you before. All right, so let's move on. Javier made a very, very, um, I would say a very admirable response in his next um, statement, where he said that he is unaware in person if any Shia who come across as well-read in their faith exist, so, something like that. And in other words, that's more subjective than an objective statement. So he's saying that as far as he has studied or he has interacted with Shia people, he hasn't seen one who has come across as well-read in their faith. Now, once again, it's admirable for him to say that because that is acknowledging that that's his perspective. And so therefore he is limited by his own perspective. Like all of us, we are all limited by our own perspective. Now I would, res I would say to him that I have come across people that are well-read in their faith who are Shia, but you might hear them and think they're not well-read. And so therefore we can never agree on that because axiomatically we have a problem there because what defines, what do we define as well-read? Are they well-read if they agree with us? Are they well-read if they don't contradict what's obviously correct to us in the text? Because that's how, that's how you would normally do it. So, for example, yourself, you know, your, Javier is, has read a lot and he's a reader. So he, he knows a lot of things. And what he'll see, I think, is that he'll see someone from the Shia faith contradict something in the text, which is so obviously interpreted in the correct way by him. So don't have alcohol and then someone's having alcohol, for example. Now, if you define it by that, then yes, you will have someone not coming across as well-read interpretations. I see it differently because I see the, the way that someone esoterically interprets um, or uses their, their esoteric nature to interpret it in a different way, then they are well-read. But this is what happens with belief. Belief in general, I find from someone who's not someone who works on with belief, it seems to me that people retroactively right, understand something based upon their initial temperament or predisposition to certain things. So, you know, like I, a lot of people who are much more spiritual than religious, which is a lot of people, they'll say, I don't accept that part of the Bible, that part's stupid. But the part of loving one another and being good, that's really good. And I say to myself, well, what gives you the right to decide which part's the correct one and which part doesn't, which part's not? And that is that people are subconsciously using a guide that's within them to determine what is correct. And so therefore morality exists within us before, before the text. We're using our own mind and our own hearts to actually decide what is the truth. And so therefore some people who say God lives within us, well, you could say that if you like, that works. Okay. Um, next comment by Javier. 
is, yeah, next comment by Javier says, on another side note, what do you think a Muslim who apostates into a philosophy of pure naturalism can do to escape a possible sense of existential suffocation or existential meaninglessness? meaninglessness? I loved this question from Javier. I've also got Liran's questions I've got to answer too. But Javier's question was brilliant. The reason is because I went through this. I was a very, 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 very devout um, Christian. Very devout Christian. I lived every minute of every day according to what I thought God wanted me to do. I read the Bible when I was eight. It was by far not the first book I had read. I had read it multiple times by 15, memorized you know, ver various quotes in the Old and New Testament, um, started to read the, the New Testament, the Acts in Arabic by the time I was six, uh, 16 and 11 months up to 17, 18. And now I read, I still read the Bible, um, in, as you know, in Aramaic and stuff, and True Faith helps me out. Uh, now, I also practiced with Protestants in 1996, the age of 15, for one year. And then I practiced Islam for a long period of time after that. Um, now, I developed severe depression when I, let's say, had the realization, call it realization, that the whole thing was a load of shit. Um, it was very hard for me. It was very hard. And that probably helped get me closer to suicide, actually, uh, at the time. The Bible you read when you were young, I do. It's upstairs. I still have it, yeah. It's quite interesting. I never made notes. I used to just memorize everything. Um, uh, now, um, so... Where were we uh, talking? Yes. Okay. So it was hard because I felt that a friend who I, whom I had with me, when did the cards fall? Uh, they started to fall before I realized they were falling. So it actually, actually in hindsight, <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, I was losing my faith when I appeared to be more faithful. And so I actually became more religious towards the end as a compensation for my lack of belief belief which is very very fascinating so now when i see someone who's extremely extremely religious sometimes i think that they were like me where they were trying to cover their doubt by extra uh religious fervor um the the dying i think in hindsight started at about 16 15 16 yeah <laughs> that's terrible um and then at probably the age of 1920, I realized that I couldn't believe anymore. I think that's where it was about 1920. I was hanging out with a, with a communist actually 50 years ago. Wow. Uh, and I don't, I don't think communism is a good thing, but that's a separate topic, but it, it, it doesn't matter because this person was a communist who was from the middle East. And so he knew a lot about the right-wing Christians of Lebanon being my ancestors that I didn't know and I was never taught. So, you know, I, I came from, a, from an ancestry of Christians who, you know, we're told about we were persecuted for thousands of years. The French came and liberated us. Um, you know, we finally had our own country. Uh, we, you know, we're great. We're smart. We're, we're not like these other Arabs, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, and all of that sounded great my whole life. And then, you know, this... Catholic, yeah. Uh, I was Catholic and then I was pro Protestant. Um, so my this communist guy, 
met with me and said, did you know that the Maronites committed murder here, committed persecution here, committed this? And I'm like, I didn't know any of that. Now, he's, he, he was obviously an anti, like he's what you call a radical. Um, but it doesn't matter because I still learned from him. So he taught me two things. One was to research my own party by looking at the party's opposite. And number two, you can learn things even if it's from a maniac uh, radical. <laughs> they were two very important things I learned at age 20. So whenever I study something, I study its opposite um, so that you can fill in all of the holes or fill in the blanks. Auntie May, oh, fill in the holes. I love it. Don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. And sometimes don't judge the cover by its book. Yeah. So um, anyway, so that's when it started to go away. I got very depressed. So to answer, um, and I felt as if, see, I made the mistake. And I think a lot of religious people do this of tying in meaning with the existence of God. And I realized, spasmatic me, lovely to see you, my dear, that I realized this probably six or seven years later, I realized that getting rid of this story that our ancestors created to try and explain things doesn't take away what's there. It doesn't take away the meaning of life. It doesn't take away what gets me out of bed in the morning. It doesn't take away morality. It doesn't take away forgiveness. It doesn't take away love. It doesn't take away family, friends, knowledge, advancing human civilization so that we can hopefully, you know, spread across the universe and into other universes, you know, millions of years down there. It doesn't take any of that away. So this is, this took me a long time to realize. And this is a problem with a lot of atheists who are also anti-theists. You're an educator. You are way too kind, uh, speed up, way too kind. So I realized that I, it took me years to realize this, and I, and I really wish I knew this earlier, but a lot of atheists don't, don't get to this point. A lot of atheists say, it's all bullshit, there's no God, there's no meaning, there's no nothing. And I'm saying, well, no, I don't think so. I would say that Christianity and Islam and everything else, they are people that teaches you to hate. Uh, yes, I would say that parts of the Bible absolutely teach you to hate. Yes. And... I would say that the reason is, is because the story is not accurate. Um, the, st the story that Christians were trying to use to explain the world is not, is not correct. So when you're dead, that's the end. I don't think it's the end. Number one, number one, we're not going to be conscious. So consciousness might end. It doesn't mean that we end because um, gives meaning to life. Yeah, because everything that I'm sharing with you guys. I got from somewhere else and then you will share it again. And so the ideas live through us and they will live forever as long as humanity is around or sentient beings to take that knowledge and make the world a better place. We are all living on the shoulders of giants. Um, and that is, that is to me, bless you, the meaning of life. We do live on forever. We just don't have to live consciously. Who, who said that we have to be conscious of it and why? Yeah. Hola, hola, dusty foot. Um, you know, me sharing this with you is going to live forever. Uh, and, and these meanings I got from you got from, came from someone else, which once again will live forever. So, so we do live forever in a way. And plus what makes us up our atoms, our molecules, and you know, all of these things, they still exist in the universe. So we're still around. <laughs> we don't go away. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, if someone wants to believe that they live, for, look, you don't know, maybe, Maybe in the future, our descendants will be able to, you know, get our consciousness back 
so that we can be conscious again and live with them. We are the universe. So I'm not saying that death is the end at all. I'm saying that it's the end of this current form of existence. If you want to believe that, you know, you could get reincarnated or, or maybe our future descendants or we live in a software simulation, Scott, um, that's, that's your business. We don't know. We can't test it. We don't know. But I do know that while I'm here, I have to do what I can to increase the chance of that happening. Javier went live. Ah, there you go. Good luck, Javier. Okay, so that's all I have. I think that answers everything on Javier. <laughs> Bless you. So now let's move up to Liran's question. Liran says, um, the flood story of Gilgamesh. Oh, he did a lot of quotes, actually. And he was, he went through, he did an earth recycle will be transformed. Yeah, yeah, yeah you never know. Um, so its length must correspond to the, yeah. So he's actually gone through and done a lot of quotes. He's talking about this flood story of Noah. This is Liran. So Liran, I told, I was talking on, on Irrational about the flood story of Noah and also on Gabsmack about how the flood story existed well before the Bible. And Liran went through various quotes of the Epic of Gilgamesh, which was relating a story 2000 years before the Bible about a story that happened thousands of years before that. So a very long time before. And there are other tribes like Native American tribes that also uh, or in, in, in North America and modern day Alaska who also have the flood story. So my argument was that, well, the flood story was taken by the Bible, not invented. Um, and he came back and said to me, all right. Mwah. Good to see you, Osgan Esli. Thank you very much. Send me some stuff if you like on um, on that guy, um, Kul uh, Nesin. Gotta play Hansdale. Hold <laughs> on, went to fold. That's very cool. I like that. Uh, now, he was saying that there's a difference between the Jewish version of the flood story and the, uh, the old Gilgamesh version of the flood story. And he went through a lot of research. <laughs> I'll do my best, Frank. <laughs> um, if, you, if you look like her, you'll get a kiss. <laughs> uh, no, okay. Uh, where are we? Um, it says here that the Jewish version was describing a God which was trying to teach some sort of morality to its people. <laughs> Whereas the gods in the story of Gilgamesh were more capricious and doing it just for their own entertainment or their own purposes or the humans were annoying them or something like that. Now, I say to Liran that bravo for doing that research, because holy crap, that's like 1% of a PhD. In terms of, he wrote me this whole thing, if you if you look at <laughs> all of his stuff, and I read it all. It was really, really good. And I'm convinced by what Liran has sent me that the meaning is, there's a very good chance that the meaning in the in the Jewish version is very different to the meaning in the Gilgamesh story. And that actually fits into my understanding, which is God was created by man, not man, not, not man created by God, which is that we're trying to get closer to the truth. So the original you know, advanced societies, which we call the original Western societies, well before white Europe and talking about white nationalists. Yes, you guys didn't create Western society. You inherited it and made it slightly better. Um, that's very different. So uh, moving on. Um, they, their understanding of reality was not as maybe sophisticated uh, as the, the Jewish uh, version of the story later on, which was some sort of moral guidance. Um, Eden, a Babylonian word. Interesting. Um, I, uh, it is a Semitic word, uh, and um, it's an ancient Semitic word. It existed way before Aramaic. 
and I don't know, uh, it comes from the word Aden, I think, and Aden some, somehow means a garden or a paradise or something like that, but True Faith will know the answer to that because she studies ancient Aramaic in religious movement. Exactly, exactly. The evolution of our understanding of, of reality meant that, as talking chimpanzees, we were going to start off at a basic religion and then keep moving up until we got to the most sophisticated religion and then got rid of religion entirely. And then that was pretty bad because then we got rid of the good parts of the, of the religion, which existed before the religion. And now we're trying to bring it back where, you know, say within naturalism to say that, and this is what's happening now between Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris. So I'm on Sam Harris's side. I'm not saying he's right, but Sam Harris is saying that we can get morality via natural methods. Jordan Peterson says, no, it's a theological underpinning which gives us that morality i don't agree with his version many people do and that's fine gets more vague as it advances yeah i would say so and i would say that listen to dr tom holland he is one of the best historians on islam the middle east persia and christianity in antiquity that i've ever heard in my life this guy is a freak brilliant guy when it comes to this one topic um, and he talks about the huge differences between christianity and islam Sorry. Hey. Hey, Jeremiah. Sorry. He talks about the differences between Christianity and Islam that allowed Western civilization to grow via Christianity and not by Islam. And he attributes that to a lot of the letters of Paul. So Paul was basically a heretic compared to... Paul was really the first famous heretic. He was the one that really generated Christian theology. As far as I understand, he broke with Simon Peter. Simon Peter was a Jew who believed, thank you, that Jesus was was the Messiah. That's very, very different to um, to Paul, who had a different version of what the Messiah was. And Paul wrote these letters, and those letters within those it changed the psyche of Europe, which allowed Europe to then increase. It's, uh, it's understanding of the world and go past Christianity, you know, 2000 years later into the enlightenment. Uh, and it did not allow the Middle East to do the same. It's a very, very interesting concept. So listen to Dr. Tom Holland on that topic. Now, the, Paul took it on the road. He did, but he took a very different version. Um, the definition of the Messiah in modern day Christianity is based upon, you know, what, what Paul made famous. He didn't invent it, but he made it famous. Um, Simon Peter did not, um, did not come up with that. The masses. Yeah, look, um, yeah, in that case, yeah, look, absolutely that, especially back in the days of an empire, you had to have one religion um, in order to, because the, the empires didn't have technology and phone the way we do. So we can talk to each other, and even though we're on other sides of the world, we can refine our ideas together to scale, deprogram religious thoughts. Uh Aris, etc. There's zero possibility to scale different. Yes, I, I agree with you. What I what I think is that it will come with the next generation. So more and more children who are not indoctrinated and live in a world of scientific method and scientific reasoning uh, can together, fingers crossed, get to that point. But we don't know if humans are capable because look what happened in the 20th century. We got rid of religion and it resulted in communism, Stalinism, so other you know secular religions which killed more people than Christianity ever did in one century. So, you know, it's not to say that absence of religion is any better than religion. Morality, if we can somehow... 
we have to we have to be you know we have to somehow incorporate morality <laughs> political bullshit yeah. uh, we it's happening now right has become a religion in many parts it has if someone starts talking to you about believing in something or saying everyone thinks this way you have to think this way those persons really need to you need to look away from those type of people i say to people think for yourselves take all the information because i'm probably wrong on almost everything at least in some part i have to be um because there's just too much information i don't know and if i'm right i'm not even going to know if i'm right because there's just too much information so all i can do is share what i know and i'm very lucky because i'm sort of an autistic nutcase where i remember all this stuff <laughs> run um yeah, they're not that different. And what this is this is why when people bag out religion, you've heard me on this many months before. Any of you, any of you who've been a follower for at least a few months, you've heard me say this that it's part of religion that I dislike. The part is a dogmatic section of religion. In other words, reveal truth and you must think a certain way, irrespective of what the evidence uh, tells you. So that is very different to other parts of religion, such as tradition, such as loving one another such as uh, cycles of um, uh, uh, rites of rites of passage those parts of religion we can keep and take them out of religion but but the dogma side which is you must believe this or you know gays are bad or or you know whatever some stupid shit that you have to believe because someone told it to you then basically you're not a human being you're 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 a dog on a leash um, you, you know that's what dogma does it may, turns you into a dog on a leash <laughs> the god hole um, okay, the last thing I'm going to talk about before we go is a completely different subject. Communism or conservatism. Absolutely, and that's what's happening in America. That's why we have such hatred. Even some of my Patreons, and I really hope that they can get together again and each apologize for whatever they did. I really hope so, because um, if you are going to call someone a, you know, an asshole, a piece of shit, or, or you're going to say MAGA or whatever it is, right? anything that's just this label, that clearly pisses a lot of people off. Even if you think it's good, that's a belief. That's dogmatic thinking. That's what that's what helps people like Obama and Trump and Alessandria Cortez and Kanye West. That's what helps these people and Donald Trump Jr. That's what helps on both sides. I don't care which side. These people um, do very well with a crowd that doesn't think. It's disturbing, yes. It's And it comes from belief. If you believe that Republicans are racist, then that's a religious belief about the Alawites. Uh, yeah, go back to the beginning, and I spoke about the Alawites for about 20 minutes or so. Thanks for the question. Um, and I, I, I say that to anyone. I don't care if you're on my side. I don't care if you're my brother, you're my sister. I don't care. I will say this to you, and I hope you say it to me too when I make the same mistake. But, you know, to earn you better, I, I really hope so. And, uh, you know, people are, if you believe someone's racist, and then you attack them for it. That's a religious belief. And if you believe someone's a radical leftist and you call them a bleeding heart libtard or whatever thing, it's the same shit. You are part of a belief system. Yeah, and we need to transcend that. We need to say, no, no, um, I want to judge you individually. I don't want to judge you at all. But if I'm going to have to judge you, I want to judge you individually. Not because you're a Muslim, not because you have black skin, not because you're a Republican, not because you have two penises or one vagina and two assholes or no asshole, or you are an asshole. Like, you know, it's, it, it takes a lot more brain power, but a society that uses that method will not decay into beggary, bankruptcy, um, as America is doing at the moment, as it doesn't mean it will succeed. 
but it won't. It definitely won't fail in the way those do. Look at look at uh, Mugabe's dictatorship. Look at uh, um, you know uh, yeah Syria. Look at America. America is now turning into Syria. Transcend the bubble. Is Alawite Muslim? It depends on who you ask. Um, but not not all Muslims believe Alawites are Muslim. Most Muslims don't believe Alawites are Muslim, but Alawites believe they're the true Muslims. Uh, so it's a very interesting concept. Now the last thing I'm going to talk about is uh, entropic gravity. Now this is for all of our diversity students. Uh, there was a new paper that came out recently that proves that entropic gravity um, doesn't work unless new mathematics can be developed. And entropic gravity is an idea that was come up to, to explain dark matter. Uh, and I might actually, you know what, I'll do that one on Gabversity. I'll, I, won't, I won't talk about it here. So you can tune into Gabversity, I'll talk about it there. And that's all I have for today. That is everything. Um, I hope I haven't missed anyone. Oh, no, uh, two programming. Did I miss him? More curiosity than anything. Brother. Uh, no, that's not going to work. All right. So that's that's everything, guys. It was a pleasure to see you. And uh, what time is it? I have to go. I've got Wednesday Wisdom coming up later. Yukon, good to see you, brother. Fuzzy Pandias. Thank you. Now, go to YouTube, the Gasmack, and subscribe and like. Uh, that would be awesome. Um, thank you, Rizal Revolution. Thank you, Christoph. Thank you, Windsor. Thank you to all you guys. Patreon.com forward slash Gabsmack, and I will spot if you sponsor me, I'll tell you all about that. Same as Lebanese. Yes, you and Alawites, Lebanese Alawites are the same. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Love you guys. Thanks, Tony, for being a Patreon. <laughs> Thanks, Big Hearted Anna, for being an amazing, like, ultra Patreon. Captain Ginger, Christoph, Scott, he's awesome. Sends me letters and got the books and. Love you right back. All right. See you all later. No worries. No worries. Faster clock. <laughs> Faster clock. <laughs>